Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! and welcome back to another episode of How Did We Not Know That. I'm Jack. And I'm Nat. And today, I actually don't know what you're going to talk about today. Today I'm going to be talking about communism. Mm. (laughs) Super fun! Communism and the Red Scare. My favorite. But before I talk about today's topic, I wanted to remind all of our new listeners to subscribe to our show and to leave a review wherever you're listening to us from and also to follow us on our social media at HDWNKT. Yeah, NKT. (laughs) NKT. That's a mouthful. Um, And then because on our social media, you guys can answer our polls and you also get the latest updates about our new episodes, which is super cool. And some more exciting news. You can now check out our Patreon to become a supporter of the show. And you can see how you can become a history hero and get a fun shout out in one of our future episodes. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. All right. So enough of <laughs> enough of the self promo. Enough of our propaganda to get you to support us. <laughs> Please, you must. Um, yeah. So today I'm talking about the Red Scare and McCarthyism. So before I go on ahead, Jack, what do you know about the Red Scare? Okay. I've never heard of McCarthyism, that second thing that you just said. But uh, the Red Scare was during the... Is it like World War II era? Yeah, it yeah. is, right? It's, it's like okay, right after. So World War II... Yeah, I think we're just like very scared of the rise of communism. I believe people were like reporting their neighbors if they thought you were a communist. I, so I remember learning about the Red Scare in high school. I just remember like Senator McCarthy, who we'll talk about later. And yeah, pretty much the same thing just, but I, like after doing research, I did not realize the extent that it had in our government and like the laws we were passing and it's so scary also like i did not realize there are actually two red scares so this was news to me so the first red scare it actually began during world war one so in 1917 there is the outbreak of the russian revolution led by vladimir lenin and the bolsheviks and bolsheviks are basically it's like another word for communism kind of and Lenin and the Bolsheviks destroyed the Romanov dynasty that had been ruling Russia up until then. Is it the monarchy with, like, Princess Anastasia that goes missing? Yeah, like, the movie. Dude, okay. I love that movie when I was little. And it's such, like, the real story is super, super dark. Oh. Yeah, it's sad. I know, it's sad. It's, like, but... nighttime and we're in closets. Like, <laughs> ugh, I don't want to not be able to sleep. Yeah, everyone should check out our YouTube channel, see us filming in our parents' closet. <laughs> yeah, so. 
Yeah, the Romanov dynasty had been ruling forever, and the U.S. was actually supporting the dynasty and Tsar Nicholas. And after World War One, they actually sent troops to Russia, hoping that they could help defeat the Red Communist rebel forces. But the Bolsheviks won, and they murder the entire Romanov family, and they slowly secure control all over Russia. And so this is pretty much the beginning of the rise of the Communist Party. But it's not like this was the first time anyone had heard of communism. So Karl Marx's ideology had been well known since 1848. He was kind of the father of communism. But this revolution in particular was so, I guess, triggering because up until now, it had just been a theory. And before this, no country in the world had had a successful communist revolution. And so capitalist countries all around the world were like, uh oh, this is not good. <laughs> There's widespread international fear of communism and anarchy in general. So in the U.S., veterans are returning home from World War One, and workers were demanding increases in order to keep up with uh, increasing inflation in the U.S. And so in this short period following World War One, there are actually over three thousand three hundred labor strikes in the U.S. And in nineteen nineteen a small group of radicals formed the Communist Labor Party. And the press basically sensationalized all of these labor strikes as being caused by immigrants who wanted to destroy the American way of life. And everyone, including both progressive and conservative Americans, were super scared of a communist revolution in the U.S. And they pretty much decided that the labor activism was a threat to national security and it had to be stopped as soon as possible. And so I just wanted to quick throwback to episode five. Is it free speech or espionage? We talked about the Sedition Act of 1918. Do you remember? Wasn't it that like in, in wartime you cannot, you, your freedom of speech is like limited? in times of war it targets people who criticize the government so yeah it limits their free speech and it monitored radicals and labor unions with the threat of deportation so yeah you were spot on we go way more into detail in episode five so check it out i pay attention i rewatch our episodes yeah we're learning (laughs) okay i have a question too before you go on yeah so you said anarchy and communism are like both they're scared of both. Yeah. Is it they're separate scares though? Because like is is communism anarchy? Or are they they're not the same? No, not at all. They're like not even similar, but they're just scared of a revolution that will overthrow their government and like the system, the American system and capitalism. And so they kind of put the two together because like communism has nothing to do with anarchy, but they're just like, oh, in order to become a communist country, we'd have to overthrow our current uh, way of government. And so their fear isn't unwarranted um, because in the ni- in 1919, the U.S. is shook by a series of bombings carried out by anarchists that targeted the homes of law enforcement and government officials in Boston, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and New York City. And so Americans are absolutely terrified because their worst fears seem to be coming true, like right in front of their own eyes. And U.S. Attorney General Alexander Mitchell Palmer would carry out what would later be known as the Palmer Raids. And these were a series of violent law enforcement raids that targeted leftist radicals and anarchists in 1919 and 1920. And this would 
later be known as the Red Summer. Through Palmer's support, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, also known as the FBI, is created under the leadership of J. Edgar Hoover. So in January 1920, FBI agents break into the homes of suspected anarchists without any search warrants, and then they arrest labor leaders. They end up holding about 5,000 citizens without respecting their right to legal counsel. And eventually, most of these people are released, but 249 Russian immigrants are deported without just cause. So this is like completely awful and is obviously a blatant violation of civil liberties but palmer he believed that american civil liberties were less important than protecting national security so i it's just like horrifying to see the tenets of our legal system is completely thrown out the window and yeah and they're targeting immigrants too so i'm sure they had a lot less power you know in the court system so it's just there's always a loophole it's like life and liberty all men are created equal but 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 like you know what i mean there's (laughs) always something yeah exactly so that was really upsetting to hear about and it like continues like this is it just gets worse so basically so this is the first red scare right so eventually it dies down because then we enter world war ii and we're focused on nazi germany but then world war ii ends and then the fear of communism is reignited and becomes much more intense because after World War II, the U.S. and Soviet Union become enemies in the Cold War. So that's, yeah, we talked about the Cold War a little bit in our Space Race episode. Um, a lot more lighthearted than what we're about to get into. Yeah. But yeah, basically. That was such a fun episode. It, it was a great episode. Everyone should check it out. Um, yeah, 10 out of 10. Great job, Jack. But <laughs> yeah, so the whole country is scared of americans working as soviet spies so you might be thinking like okay everyone like just chill that's a bit dramatic that there are like soviet spies in our government but there's actually quite a long history of the soviet union carrying out espionage activities inside the u.s through the help of u.s citizens especially during world war ii there are also several huge events around the world at this time that really like ignite this fear and make the threat of a communist revolution seem more likely. In August 1949, the Soviet Union successfully tests its first nuclear bomb and the U.S. is like, oh no. (laughs) Try not to swear, but like insert expletive, but yeah. And also, also in 1949, communist forces led by Mao Zedong take control over China. And then Through 1950 to 1953, U.S. troops are fighting the communist-supported forces of North Korea in the Korean War. And so, yeah, we're fighting communists all over the world, and we're just, like, we're seeing it spread, and we're like, oh my gosh, it's only a matter of time before it takes over the U.S. So, very quickly, we start to see, I guess, our federal government respond to this, right? So in March 21st, 1947, President Harry Truman issues Executive Order 9835, also known as the Loyalty Order. This mandates that all federal employees must be analyzed to determine whether they were sufficiently loyal to the government. Which, like, just the wording itself, like, loyal to the government, that's so ominous. And it's, like, a huge deal for a country that prides itself with the values of personal liberty and freedom of political organization. Yeah, it kind of, it feels a bit 1984, which I think is such a, 1984, I, like, have, 
issues with that book but um (laughs) yeah that feels that line just feels very like it's out of a dystopian novel for real like loyal to the government that's so creepy also in the fbi under the leadership of j edgar hoover they begin compiling extensive files on suspected spies through the use of wiretaps and surveillance and they also infiltrate leftist groups and these files and evidence are later used in the court and so one of these was the high profile conviction of julius and ethel rosenberg for espionage They were basically accused of overseeing a spy network that stole American atomic bomb secrets and handed them over to the Soviet Union. And they were found guilty and were executed two years later, making them the only alleged spies executed during the Red Scare. And Hoover was super anti-communist, and he was also super quick to label any kind of protest as communist, including major civil rights demonstrations at the time. So he had actually labeled Martin Luther King Jr. as a communist. So we see our presidents passing laws. We see uh, our judicial system also freaking out. And then the FBI is freaking out. And then if we look at the House of Representatives in Congress, we see the creation of the House Un-American Activities Committee, also known as HUAC, that was actually formed in 1938, but it really reached its heights in the 1950s. So federal employees, especially those in the State Department and intelligence agencies, were analyzed to determine whether or not they were loyal to the government. And again, this isn't even a partisan issue. Politicians on both sides tried to make sure no one thought they were anti-communist, And no one wanted to criticize these tactics used to punish suspected communists because they were scared of the backlash they would receive. Yeah. Then you look like you're a communist. It's like, what's the big deal if you're not a communist? Why? Then we should have this policy. Yeah. People are so quick to point fingers, so quick to convict. And it's just like a really terrifying time. Yeah. It's like that, um, what is it? Like the witch... The witch, the, like, yeah, the Salem witch that were trials. Going on. Yeah, the Salem witch trials. Yeah, literally, it's just like pointing. Oh, you're a communist. Yeah, I have a question with um. So what I'm? Are you gonna explain kind of what is deemed as loyal versus not loyal to the government? I mean, that's the thing. Is like it's super vague, and so they kind of uh. use it as an umbrella. Like people use this tactic. Actually, the tactic itself is called red baiting. When you just point fingers at someone, you're like, you're a communist. Like you're out of here but like politicians would just use it against their political enemies and so like if you didn't get along with someone you'd be like okay well he's a communist like the NAACP was labeled as a communist organization of course like, they yeah. were we can i <laughs> I can go on and on and yeah. on but yeah no I'm not surprised that they labeled the NAACP yeah. as communist and so like they, there doesn't even have to be evidence like you could just say like oh I just know like they're a communist and people yeah, there's just little evidence is needed in order to convict someone. So it really is just like the Salem witch trials. But yeah, so as a result, obviously leftist political group membership falls and opposing voices fall silent because everyone's horrified. And also, this is crazy. 28 states actually banned the public display of red flags in their state, which is like just so extreme. And yeah, and so the height of the Red Scare, I, I mean, I can't really talk about the Red Scare without talking about Senator Joseph McCarthy of Wisconsin and McCarthyism. So he's pretty much synonymous with the Red Scare. He spent five years trying to expose communists in the government. 
and his career as an anti-communist basically begins in February 1950 when he gives a speech where he declares that he has a list of 205 known members of the Communist Party who were, quote, working and shaping policy, unquote, in the State Department. And the next month, the Senate launched an investigation, but they don't find any proof of any subversive activity. And actually, at the beginning, many of his colleagues, both Democratic and Republican, including President Dwight D. Eisenhower, they don't like him or the tactics he's using. But McCarthy continues his red-baiting techniques. And in 1953, at the beginning of his second term as senator, he's put in charge of the Committee on Government Operations. And this position allows him to launch even more investigations of the alleged communist infiltration of the government. So he has even more power. And over the course of several hearings, McCarthy interrogated these witnesses extremely aggressively. And it can be considered as a direct violation of their civil rights. And although there's little to no evidence of espionage, more than 2,000 government employees lost their jobs as a result of his investigations. Which is so much, like 2,000 people over the course of a few years. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's like, okay, the thing is, when you're saying this, I'm going to go back to 1984. So you know in that, if you've read 1984, Mm -hmm. um, for the viewers who have not read 1984, it's a really, really important novel that I think they make all high school, most high schoolers read. Yeah. And it basically is supposed to talk about a dystopian society. It's like totalitarian government. Yeah, totalitarian, and they're always inspecting you. But the last scene in it, spoiler, uh, if you wanted to read it, sorry, here it goes. Pause it. The last, one of the last scenes is they basically, like, torture um, the main character with his greatest fear to get him to admit to crimes that he didn't necessarily commit, but also, like, betray, like, his loved ones. And they, like, play on, like, your greatest fears. And that just feels like the tactics that were being used by McCarthy, where you literally interrogate to I don't know what extent, so you get them to admit to things that maybe they didn't even do. I, like, it's... No, you're completely right, like the court the legal system was not just at all like there's no evidence and people like aren't being defended properly and no one's listening like literally as soon as you hear the word communism like you're just painted as evil and as a traitor to the country and so no one takes it seriously but again like yeah McCarthy had like a huge Like, a lot of people supported him. I guess in politics, people just were scared to get on his bad side because they'd be his next victim. But the American people, like, were really scared of a revolution in their country. And then they thought their way of life was going to be disrupted. And again, they're hearing what the press is telling them, what the government is telling them about communism. I don't know how the picture was painted. Of course, there's going to be a bias about it. But yeah, like, people are just scared. Like, you just hear the word communism and you automatically are just horrified so yeah it's like the parallels to 1984 is insane (laughs) like it's horrifying this is real life this actually happened in the u.s this isn't a fictional novel yeah and not that far like away ago this isn't it's less than a hundred years yeah this is in the 1950s like it's really not that long ago And yeah, okay, so this kind of brings me to my next point. This, I had never heard of this, but McCarthy, apparently he didn't just attack communists and the government. He also attacked the LGBTQ plus community in what would later be known as the Lavender Scare. I really had never heard about this, but 
Basically, McCarthy argued that LGBTQ plus employees could be blackmailed by enemy agents over their sexuality and could thereby betray national secrets. In 1950, Senate Republicans write up a report saying that gay and lesbian government workers were a potential moral threat to the government. And later in 1953, President Eisenhower signed Executive Order 10450, which allowed the government to track down gay and lesbian government employees and fire them due to the labeling of sexual pervasion as an undesirable trait for employment, which <laughs> this is horrifying. So several employees either were fired or re they resigned out of fear and various surveillance measures were instituted to try and track down employees' intimate habits. Like this is a violation of privacy and civil rights, civil liberties on like every level. Yeah, everything, it's like the things that we criticize with other countries that have communist regimes. <laughs> and like we're literally doing the same exact thing yeah. in order to smash down communism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh my gosh, it's just, I can't believe we got away with this. But the most horrifying aspect of this is that this governmental ban on LGBTQ plus employees wasn't officially lifted until President Bill Clinton's administration in the 1990s. So this, this like executive order was in place for a very long time. I don't know if everyone acted upon it, but it's still like the government had the right to spy on you and like like go into your intimate personal life like that's such a breach of privacy it's so horrifying and yeah just like a friendly reminder to everyone it wasn't until a month ago that the supreme court ruled that the 1964 civil rights act protects lgbtq plus employees from discrimination based on sex so there's still so much work that needs to be done like it's kind of a theme in like every episode we always say that but yeah i mean history is like progressive through time right so that's very true yeah there's always work that's true but yeah like i i guess the reason i point that out is because like when we talk about the red scare it can, it's easy to dismiss it as like oh it was so long ago but like we see we still see the effects up until recent history you're right actually there's a really good quote and i forget who said it i will look it up and like requote this later but it was something like with history we often think that the future is closer than it is and that the past is further away and that's so true I like we think that. that we're more further ahead with being accepting and open to people and world peace than we actually are we don't see like the work that we have to do still and we think that the terrible events in our past are a lot further back than they actually are i love that quote so much that's such that's so true, though. I'm, I need to get that, like, tattooed. <laughs> that's so amazing. Write <laughs> that on my tombstone. Like. Literally. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that's why it's important to talk about history because it's really not that long ago and it has, obviously, has lasting effects on our society today. So, yeah. But I guess to continue, obviously, the Red Scare has to come to an end. So people were able to overlook Senator McCarthy's attacks on government employees and other elites in the U.S., but people immediately lost support for him once he decided to go after members of the armed services. So in April 1954, millions of Americans watched as Senator McCarthy attacked members of the army on live television. And almost immediately, the sense of, I guess, like invulnerability that had surrounded him disappears. And there are pretty much two reasons for his downfall. So first, the army's legal counsel was able to undermine his credibility by showing evidence that 
Senator McCarthy had tried to win preferential treatment for his aides when they were drafted in the war. I think, yeah, that's illegal and not good at all. So they're like, okay, this dude's not good. Yeah, wait, can we talk about what that means? Like, in more layman's terms, like, what would that look like? So basically it means that when his aides and his colleagues, like his, like, staff, they were drafted into the war, I guess... I guess this is World War Two. This is, like, showing evidence in the past. When they were drafted into the war, he was like, oh, I want them to be in, like, easy positions, or I want them to be, like, stationed in the U.S. somewhere. But he basically asked the Army to be like, hey, like, I don't want them to get hurt. Can you put them somewhere nice and cushy, <laughs> like, while the rest of uh, Americans okay. who are being drafted, like, get stationed all over the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so secondly... Um, the American people were able to see for the first time on live television how Senator McCarthy intimidated witnesses and gave evasive responses when questioned. Because people, I mean, they didn't really have televised court like that. This was the first time the American people were actually seeing him in work and, like, you know, doing his thing. And they were like, this is awful. Like, this guy is horrible. One of the things people remember the most about Senator McCarthy is when he started to attack a young army lawyer and the army's chief counsel joseph welch famously shouted have you no decency sir at long last have you left no sense of decency which i guess in like 1950s like terminology like this is the biggest insult ever just like oh you have no sense of decency left and yeah like this sound bite is really popular it's in the song caught their eyes by jay-z like i was Literally, when I, I was watching a video about Senator McCarthy, and then he, like, says that line, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's a guy from the Jay-Z song. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. That's okay. You should link it in the show notes, or in our description. Everyone should check it out. It's a great song. Or the original soundbite. <laughs> you could link both. Like, I was thinking the original soundbite, but the song, too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, we could link both. While you're at it, you guys have time. You can listen to both. But, yeah. <laughs> stream Jay-Z. Yeah, stream Jay-Z now. Um, but, yeah, so that's, like, a really famous quote. And so after this, the Senate, they also lose support from McCarthy. They're like, finally, we can go after him. We hate him. They vote to condemn Senator McCarthy for his, quote, inexcusable, reprehensible, vulgar, and insulting conduct that was unbecoming of a senator, unquote. And his five-year-long reign of terror finally came crashing down. And Senator McCarthy would keep his position as senator, but he pretty much lost all of his power. And he actually died in 1957 at the age of 48 due to acute hepatitis and liver liver failure as a result of complications from alcoholism. So he like pretty much dies right after he live he leaves office. Basically, the Red Scare kind of after his reign of terror ends, people become like you know it's not red baiting is has less power. It's not as common anymore. People are like, okay, actually this was horrible, and maybe we should reconsider what we're doing. And so the Red Scare quiets down and communism is still obviously the cold war lasts forever but i guess in government and attacking other federal employees and even like hollywood actors were also attacked too like it was crazy so yeah the tactic tactic of red baiting quiets down but we still are very much in the cold war so soviet union is still very much our enemy and while a small number of the accused communists may have been guilty of conspiring to revolt against the government, 
The vast majority of victims of the Red Scare were falsely accused or had done nothing more than exercise their constitutional right to join a political party. And the thousands of alleged communist sympathizers had their lives and their reputations completely destroyed. They were attacked by law enforcement, revoked of basic civil liberties, they're alienated from their families and their friends, and they're fired from their jobs. So this ruined so many people's entire lives. And again, the word communism was turned into a term that Americans would immediately react to with disgust or fear, regardless of whether or not they actually understood what it means. And you can still see similar reactions today with both the terms communism and socialism, even though, uh, at least me personally, I really didn't understand the ideology until more recently. And of course, I'm not trying to push like any political views on listeners, but I do think it really is important to educate yourself and take the time to understand these concepts, whether you agree with them or not. And the same thing goes for capitalism. Like you should educate yourself on what this really means and understand it well, because like if we don't understand something, it's super easy to be swept up in a mass hysteria and be overcome by fear. But knowledge is power and it can help keep us rational. So I think that it's really one of the main lessons that we can learn from the Red Scare. And that's how we make sure we don't repeat this really shameful part of history in the future. And yeah, that's pretty much a summary of the Red Scare. <laughs> Yay! I love it. No, very nicely said, very nicely wrapped up in a bow at the end. I <laughs> thank completely you, thank agree. You. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, hopefully you guys learned something new. (laughs) We'll see you again next time. Yay. That was really good. This has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That? If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That? If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know. We thought so, too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening and see you guys next week.